the Counterculture Comet Podcast, and this week we're talking Battle Angel Alita and uh, Battle Angel Alita and hell, I don't know if anything other, other stories are going to come out, but the uh, this was what we read. So here we go. I'm Nick Emsing. I'm Brock Beauchamp. Yeah, uh, you, you came up with Battle Angel, didn't you? For this, yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, uh, the uh, I forget where I saw it pop up. Uh, and I was like, you know, I, I read I read this a long time ago. I saw the anime uh, they made for it. I love the and, anime. You know what the funny... Yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll mention it. But, um, I mean, yeah, I love the anime, too. Uh, in fact, I, I saw the anime well before I read the comics. Um, but uh, we'll get into it. But uh, do we have anything else to talk about besides this? I mean, I've, I watched the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Which I signed up for CBS All Access free trial because I think having to pay for an over-the-air channel's content, oh, it just burns me to my core, makes me so mad. Well, especially if you have to pay, uh, if you have to pay that to see it with commercials, or that, oh, I uh, know, or more money to see it without. I mean, just. Oh. And I'm okay. You know, honestly, I'm okay. We're paying for something that has. Uh, to, for no commercials, but I'm a little chapped that the, uh, um, I mean, tech, you know, by having, you know, direct TV or something, I kind of am used to having the, these, you know, these channels. Mm-hmm. And then they say, but you also have to buy our digital service. I'm like, but now I, that, that's something else I have to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so and you already have a channel that I, you already have a channel that gets delivered to me. So, Yes, exactly. I mean, you are just milking us at this point. And um, so they will get 8 or $10 out of me uh, for one month as I watch it, and then that's it. But Oh, yeah, the binge, the binge when it's all out? Yep. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'll, I'll do, too. Uh, so it's interesting. Um, it's not very Star Trek-ish in a lot of ways. It... You know, it seems like somewhere along the way, everybody forgot what Star Trek is. And so a lot of the sets are super dark. Like the bridge is really dark. Everyone's wearing dark uniforms. Um, It's just grittier than Star Trek is supposed to be. Star Trek is supposed to be super bright and it's it's utopian. And that's the vision of Star Trek. With that said, Fuller is a hell of a showrunner. The show's insanely well written, just like everything he does. Um, I don't like the main character, but you're not supposed to. But I, I find shows that start off with an unlikable main character very problematic. They just don't resonate with me. And yes, they. I'm sure the arc is that ultimately they get you to like the character, but still. Your, your your first step into the world you're presenting me is to tell me I'm not supposed to like somebody because they do stupid, shitty things. That's that's a tough sell. Yeah, so I, 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 I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I do like my Star Trek to be to have a little optimism. Well, that's the uh, thing. is they This is actually the first show that broke one of Gene Roddenberry's primary rules. 
no cap, uh, no crew conflict. Huh. Um, now they uh, crews were allowed to squabble and they were allowed to disagree, but it never got to the actual point of conflict, unless one of them was possessed by something, or you know that there were a lot of ways around it. But the core characters never actually took arms up against one another. And, well, it, so it almost maintains an episodic, uh, you know, you can just sort or uh, you can keep almost a sitcom feel where, you know, everything almost resets the next episode. Yeah, and this show isn't going to be that way at all. Uh, something big happens after the first two episodes. Uh, several big things. So the cast or the crew is entirely going to be shuffled around and lots of things are going to happen. Hmm. Um it doesn't feel like Star Trek to me, but it's very good. It's good and a shame at the same time. It is. I, I really wanted to see somebody bring back the optimism of original Trek. And through two episodes, this doesn't have it. It, it, it kind of seems like we would we would want that now, doesn't it? Like we want. A oh, absolutely. Right. right now, more than ever. The uh, even the dog agrees. Sorry, I had to wheel away for a second because my dog was standing at the door whining because she wanted to be in here with me. Well, uh, humorously, my dog walked up and whined at the exact same time. Oh, I thought that was my dog. Okay. No. Um, no, my dog so my just dog came up and whined. Wow. Okay. Your dog might also be well whined. synchronized. Canines. Yeah. Good job, dogs. The so. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm. I will see it when I'll binge it, you yeah. know. But uh, when it comes out, or maybe I will have forgotten about it. Who knows? Um, but uh, uh, how, how many seasons? How many episodes are you supposed to be making this season? Um, uh, they're 50? splitting it in two, and I don't remember the overall episode count. But I want to say it's somewhere around eight, give or take a couple episodes in each half. Oh, okay. Uh, looks like it says. Uh, Looks like it's, they have listed fifteen in IMDb. Okay. So, uh, so the uh, well, I can wait till they all come out and then binge them in a month. Yep. Yep. So the, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess at least it's good, right? I it mean, is. I mean, really... but Fuller, that's kind of expected. I mean, he's the showrunner for American Gods. Gods, yeah. He did like, Pushing yeah. Daisies, Wonderfalls, which is weird that. He did Pushing Daisies and Wonderfalls, which are very bright. I don't. I I hesitate to say female centric, but very much like the women I know very, very enjoy them. Uh, enjoy them a lot. Uh, but they're kind of bright and happy and kind of poppy. And then to go super dark with Star Trek is a little bit surprising. After he did that, I think he did Dead Like Me too. Yeah, he did Hannibal and Dead Like Me. So it looks like he's got his hands sort of all over the place. And Yeah, I, uh, but everything he's ever done that I've seen is good. Yeah, well, what is the, going uh, on back there, man? That is my dog desperately trying to get me to play donut <laughs> with her. Uh, the donut is the thing that I, I, I throw it. She's really happy, and then she immediately brings it over to me. Right, of uh, course. I, oh, also have vinyl floors and uh -huh. her nails probably need to be clipped. Right. 
So her prancing here. So the best I can do to hope is I can hold her right here while she's chewing on the donut. <laughs> Fair um, the, uh, so anyway, um, so, all right, well, that's Star Trek. Uh, I don't think really anything else is going on that I've uh, been paying attention that I'm waiting for. I mean, Walking Dead is due to return but soon, but I, my, neither my, uh, uh, my wife or I care. Oh, God, um, I, I still haven't watched it since season four or five. I don't even know when I stopped. It, it was a long time ago. And it's okay not to. Um, really, the, 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 uh, uh, in, in addition to its kind of cyclical story arc, um, the, uh, we also have a, uh, um, the writing is, the writing has kind is dipped. Um, well, it's yeah. dipped for, for a while, but I think the, uh, combine that with the cycles and it just kind of keeps, uh, uh it, it's just each new season is less impressive than the previous one. Sure. Uh, and you know, when, once we're past the whole, uh, oh, this, you know, my favorite character died thing. I'm really sad. Uh, and we're just so used to that. Then mm-hmm. the show doesn't really have any other, any, anything to play with anymore. No, uh, I mean, they took away one of your favorite characters, which was emotional and whatnot, but then what's left afterward? Yeah, well, I, and ultimately, uh, <laughs> if I know that that's the only thing they had to play with, <laughs> this, <laughs> she, she is like, you are going to pay attention to me. Yes. The, uh, um, so I'm going to ignore her so she can go chew somewhere. Um, the, uh, sorry, puppy. Uh, so anyway, it's just, um, we kind of watch it, but it, it's when we, we will continue watching shows sometimes, but what they become is they become the show that we watch like on the side while we're doing something else. Yeah, uh-huh. you stick with shows a lot longer than I do. I will go find a different show to watch in the background, or I'll just go watch something I've already seen um, while I'm working and doing stuff. Yeah. The uh, so anyway, that's <clears throat> I think that's all. Most all the time I have to spare for Walking Dead, but yeah. it really, it, it's really it's uh, really um, it, it's it shows. I mean, in addition to just not having so great great, great writing right now, but. It, it also just shows that you need to just finish shit. <laughs> you really do. Get, get it, get it out, get it done, get it over with. Mm-hmm. Some things do not work as long running soap operas. No, uh, especially when you just keep going to the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. You, you, you've got one. Well, it is long since dry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah. if they sent walking dead on, on the road, and this is something I said after like season three. Or oh, we, think, we've been saying it know, for a long time. Put yeah. them on the road, you know, make the zombies yeah. an actual threat again for a while. I, I know that's not the core theme of the show. Like Robert Kirk, Kirkman has a very specific idea that the zombies aren't what's scary about The Walking Dead. It's the humans. But you can't keep telling the same human story over and over again. So, you know, give us some zombies for a little while and put them on the road. Change, change it up. You can't just keep hitting us over the head with the same thing, you know. Thankfully, uh, Game of Thrones has turned the corner, and now they're they've started their end. They're actually not starting their end game. They're full on into their end game. But well, if the, they would have kept doing that dorm bullshit for two more seasons, I would have stopped watching. But it is one of the, it's, and but it definitely did kept uh, Game of Thrones. That is, 
kept in with the fa- the fantasy epic fantasy arc in that okay we built it all up now we're going to have our grand conclusion yeah um, yes things were still moving forward they were just moving forward way more slowly than you wanted yeah i mean i think i would have been way more interested in walking dead going forward if it became a uh a just a a road show yep i mean if if i mean and not the settle down sort of thing but this in you know weird trip through post-apocalyptic united states you know with zombies and and, and that weird it, it would have been a totally different show really uh but uh that's the only way I would be interested in this many seasons of such a thing. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Is you just need to give audiences something different. One thing that American television, in particular, tends to fall into the habit of, they say the next thing needs to be bigger. Yeah, I don't believe that's true. Um, in fact, I know that's not true. The next thing needs to be different somehow. It doesn't need to be drastically different. It just needs to be different. Something I haven't seen. Yeah, well, it needs to be a story. Yep. It needs to be a, a different story. You've got you have an ability to tell different uh, stories with what this creation. So do so. Don't keep telling the same one. Yeah, that's for sure. So um, anyway, so Battle Angel. Um. Well, one more thing. Uh, one more thing. One more thing. Blade Runner twenty forty eight or is it nine? Twenty forty nine, I believe. Twenty forty nine. Okay. Uh, is getting crazy good reviews, which once I found out it was directed by Villeneuve, I was all on board with this film, which I was not when I first heard it was announced because, Jesus Christ, do we need to just hammer away at the 80s any more than we have? Uh, but it's getting crazy good reviews. I will absolutely go see it as soon as I can, which won't be on opening day, unfortunately, because I have a baby here, but... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, which I was not, you know, six, eight months ago. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, I, I kind of had the, the just kind of sitting in the back of my mind, uh, not really paying attention to it. And, you know, it's so it became a kind of a nice surprise that people kept saying it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything changed for me once I found out Villanueva was directing it. And he just so completely blew my mind with Arrival that I will watch anything that man does for a very long time. He is my new uh, Alfonso Cuaron. All right. I, I, had, I, uh, I hadn't seen what else he had, he had done. but uh, He did um, uh, Prisoners, I think, and then something else as well. But Arrival is really the one where... Did he yeah. do Cesario? I think he made Cesario he did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is a, a good movie. I had... I didn't love it, um, but it is a very compelling movie. Um, but the uh, arrival is uh, what changed everything. IMDb makes me an expert. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Yeah, the uh, I'm, I want to see it. I don't know what else to say about it at this point because I'm just yeah. I, I, I it's it's worth it seems like it's worth seeing, which is uh, good news. I mean, I and I you know. I, I what I hope for it is is also to get a really good healthy dose of cyberpunk. Um, yes, because cyberpunk is a fun genre. It really and, is. Uh, I like it um, a lot better than steampunk because steampunk is 
kind of silly magical where well, cyberpunk it's, yeah it's just yeah. it's science fantasy stuff yeah uh, 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 cyberpunk is, is supposed to live in re- in kind of a future reality it's a vision of a realistic future realistic future yeah um the a dark realistic future so mm-hmm. ideally you can tell all sorts of noir kind of stories in it um the uh you have that um you can tell fun caper stories uh there's lots of there's lots of room to work with in cyberpunk yeah it's science the, fiction noir I mean, yeah that's really what it is the uh um there i i was delighted to hear that there's a the company's making a, a game based off of the old role-playing game cyberpunk um the uh because I, I really want to see i kind of want to see the little little life everything that but we are actually getting um uh i think neuromancers being made i heard something about that but it was just a, a i just saw a headline or something and didn't really dive into it yeah uh uh i think the uh uh yeah neuromancer is is being talked about uh being made or i think it was optioned or something like that uh or maybe it was just actually somebody was moving on it um but there is definitely a, uh, uh, I mean, that's one of those, I mean, that is one of the seminal cyber, you know, cyberpunk. Oh, works. created the genre. Yeah, created the genre. So, I mean, the, uh, and then uh, I could be, I mean, I think that uh, it's one of those things, again, want to see it done by a good director, want to see it written well, um, certainly want to see it better done than Johnny Mnemonic. Um <laughs> Even though Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> occupies a certain wonderful nostalgia in my mind for horror, you know, for for great bad movies. Oh yeah, uh, it's just the uh, it's. But I, I want to see I want to see that genre come back in a in a real strong way with a uh, with a uh, um, you know with somebody taking a real crack at the original. Oh, um, this was the news that I was forgetting about. Uh, and thank you for bringing up a Neuromancer and going down that cyberpunk rabbit hole. Amazon has commissioned three new sci-fi shows. One of them is Snow Crash. Uh, unfamiliar. Oh, you haven't read Snow Crash. I have never um, read Snow It was crazy ahead of its time about basically becoming, they were called avatars, uh, becoming a having a cybernetic world that everyone lived in. There was a real world and then a cybernetic world. And it was very much a precursor to the Matrix and a lot of that stuff. They're also doing Ringworld, which I've not read, and Ring, Lazarus. Ringworld, which that's, Ringworld, that's uh, uh, Terry Pratchett? Yes, I want to agree with that. I have not read it. That's kind of a blind spot in my geekdom. Yeah, me too. I think it's I, like I, a billion books that were written, and uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few things that I uh, there's a few areas of geekdom where I have definitely fallen fallen short. Yeah, uh, my no, wife's Larry, read them. No, no, no. And no uh, Larry Niven is Larry uh, Niven. Okay, is, is Ringworld. I'm thinking of uh, something else for Terry Pratchett. Yeah, the, yeah. There's that whole like hard fantasy sci-fi world that outside of Asimov and uh, some and you know Philip K. Dick and some of those other people that I simply haven't read. 
Uh, they're also doing um, Lazarus, which I believe we did about fifty episodes on the, ago on the podcast. I, I can tell you why. I can tell you why it's easy to get confused with uh, being uh, Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett series is Discworld. Discworld. There we go. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> Discworld, Ringworld. I can. I. I. I I'll. Uh, Old I'll sci-fi myself. was so incestuous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At least in the names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm all on board with, you know, uh, more sci-fi, uh, especially since I'm seeing TV or your television, and we're in streaming networks. Put some put some work into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, and I think a lot of the technology to make make some of those is so much is so much cheaper now. Yeah. That, uh, they can do some very basic effects on a much slimmer budget, even though some of the budgets have definitely creeped. I mean, I mean, but we're not. But most of these shows don't have Game of Thrones budgets. No, well, that's the most expensive t- show on television, so no one does. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, everybody dreams of getting there, right? <laughs> the uh, the uh, be the biggest be the biggest thing, so you get the massive budget to con- you know finish off your your uh, epic on a. Uh, on a huge, you know, big crescendo. Uh, crescendo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just tend to like the smaller shows. Uh, me More. too, but yeah. you know, I, 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 but I've got, you know, I, I, I want to see. I like to see some epic fantasy or some. Oh, absolutely! I just don't want to see all epic fantasies. No, I mean, no, no. You know, I love the epicness of Game of Thrones. It's very much a draw, but I don't want to see a bunch of Game of Thrones. That's. No. Uh, Still want to see Dragonlance, though. Sorry. Yeah, see, that's, that's another thing I just never really got into that much. Yeah, well, uh, I did. And, and, yeah, and, well, every you know. all our friends, except me, got into it. I mean, you yeah. all passed the Dragonlance books between each other. No, except for Ed. Ed never did. Never read them. He never read Dragon. He read Forgotten Realms. That's what yeah, he was. He was right. Yeah. So uh, there's our there's our D and D nerds coming out. Yep, um, for sure. The the uh, I was really disappointed when D and D was a D and D was a trivia question that popped up on a radio contest uh, yesterday, oh, and man. and and of course you can imagine I'm screaming at my radio as the as the twenty something goes. Oh, I, I I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> was the question? This hits armor class era. This does something. Like, it was it was a it was a contest that was all about like famous dragons, and then uh, the and then of course it was like this you know this role playing game that you know. Oh, so the answer was through, actually just D&D. Dungeons, dungeons, oh, was Jesus actually Dungeons and Dragons. That's, that's embarrassing. Okay. And well, yeah, and I was just like. Uh, it's, even though it's come back, it's uh, uh, it's still not. Well, yeah, it's like not mainstream. Yeah. Everybody should know what this thing is. Yeah, I know. Then you realize that. just how much of a bubble you live in. I know, I know. Yeah, but the uh, but my but that bubble really wants me, you know me to have other people know that it exists. <laughs> okay, do we want to talk about Battle Angel now? Yes, or else okay. I'm just going to be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, quick rundown. When Doc Ito, a talented cyber physician, finds Alita's head in a junk heap, she has lost all memory of her past life. 
but when he reconstructs her, she discovers her body still instinctively remembers the Panzerkunst, the most powerful cyborg fighting technique ever known. God, I just want to sing Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots during this entire... <laughs> I just can't help it. It's awfully tempting, She's isn't it? <laughs> Uh, in the post-apocalyptic world of the scrapyard, as the secrets of Alita's past unfold, each day is a struggle for survival. By Yukito Kishiro. Hi. Hey. Um, I don't think that's at the end of that. But, you know. By Yukito Kishiro. Hi. 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 <laughs> can we, can, do you want just do? Do you just want to? want to sing the whole Yoshimi battle. The whole goddamn thing. Yes, I do. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really, really tempting. Okay, so this book was 100% Brock has his head up nostalgia's ass because I loved this book back in the early 90s, which, according to Wikipedia, was released in the English version in 95, but I swear I was still re I was reading it before then. But anyway, so I was reading this as it came out, and I got through the first four or five volumes before um, I discovered Women Exist and then stopped reading. And this is some of the finest manga art ever, even though Alita strangely has a six head. <laughs> and the worst haircut in the history of any comic related anything it's really just terrible but yukita kushiro is a fantastic artist oh so good the this is the book that had me playing with zipatone in the mid 90s for like two or three years and at the time you know before digital existed you actually had to buy the shit and cut it out and you'd buy like 10 different patterns in each pattern was oh god 10 or 12 bucks so i'd save up and then go drop like 120 bucks on effing zipatone and zipatone is just basically dot patterns and various things that you actually cut out and it has a sticky adhesive and you lay on the page to give texture and shading and depth to a black and oh, white image okay great because i was wondering what the you were talking about right i realized like, right. halfway through um i was not talking to another artist especially someone with familiarity with manga art so you had no effing idea what i was talking about with zipatone the uh yeah and uh, uh and my dog was even less impressed she decided to bring the hard bone that she had and say you want to throw this for me don't you yes and drop it right on the floor so that is going up and out of the way. Sorry, puppy. Uh, uh, but, it, of course, it gave me something to focus on while Brock droned on about a something in art that I didn't know about. Um, <laughs> I actually was starting to Google it while you were talking about it. Like, yeah, all right. Well, the, here's my art lesson for the day. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great anime. It, or it's a great manga art. Uh, the uh, And... Uh, I mean, most everything about this. I, I mean, I got the, my, my nostalgia for Battle Angel is comes from watching the anime first, which I also loved. Uh, well, I mean, there's a great reason to love it in that it is the 
first two volumes of the manga just brought to yeah. animation. Yeah. I mean, they stuck so strongly to it. And that's all that, they made, right? Uh, as far as I know, um, yeah, there's, I think it's just that, that OVA, which is a bummer. The, the first two, but, uh, I guess there's some, again, of course, because nothing can ever stay untouched forever. It's, uh, somebody was interested. I think it was James Cameron was interested in it. Um, uh, yeah, he was the, uh, there's actually somebody else really impressive attached to it. Uh, but James Cameron Robert is the producer. Oh, Robert Rodriguez. Right. Um, which... so the, uh. Uh, and, uh, I guess the last news was maybe February. we'll have our next ghost in the shell. Yeah. Good, good, oh, no. God. Oh, do that. Uh, Jennifer Connelly was wanted to play a villain in, in it. So, uh, Oh, okay. We'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I, I just don't know what to expect from that, but I mean, I kind of, kind of just great to see it revived. Uh, anyway, just because it's, it was so good. Yeah. Uh, and, now that I'm knee deep, I've actually never finished the series because it was coming out, you know, as I was reading it. And then I stopped reading comics uh, about halfway through its run. So I'm going to go finish it finally. Yeah, it's uh, I think I, I will, too, I because I, I, I had only uh, we just read two volumes and uh, uh, they were the story that I knew. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't make it all the way through the second one. I got about halfway in. Uh but pretty funny about it is I, I just opened I, I I just uh I just grabbed it and started reading and I'm like oh this is a familiar story I'm like and then I get back later I'm like oh I read the I read I read the second volume first and then the first <laughs> again Nick does again. it again that's like the third time in this podcast he has either read the wrong thing or in the wrong order it's hey I read them I, hey I read them both yeah uh, the uh, uh I was. I was up earlier this morning. I had a bit of a hangover, so I said, "This will do." Uh, the uh, and so yeah, I read them both. And you know, I actually really want to read the other volumes now. I'm like, I'm like, and there are other volumes, and I can't keep retreading the same. I can't re- keep rereading the <laughs> re- same, same story. That you've I probably think, read, you know, at least two, three, maybe four times at this point I in have your life. The, yeah, this is the second. I think this is the second time I've read it, and I watched the anime probably about three or four times. Yeah, I had uh, the anime in VHS back in the days when a VHS anime would run you like forty dollars in, you know, in nineties dollars. So today it'd be like sixty or seventy bucks, and I watched the hell out of that. I watched it so many times. Oh yeah, I think it was one of my early uh, early Amazon purchases. Oh uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, just because I am uh, <laughs> at one point I uh, looked and went, oh, I've been on Amazon an awfully long time. Yeah, ninety nine for me, I think. Yeah, the uh... two thousand at the very latest. Just realized that anyway. I was going to check my old my old uh, order to see if I ordered it on Amazon, but that's not worth checking out right now. That's really um, not. No, the uh, 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 my idle curiosity. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> stay um, on target. Just stay on target. You're too close. <laughs> stay on target. I can't uh, shake them. <laughs> the uh, I, I guess what I I mean I love I love I, I like anime I, I love anime a lot. Um, but you know, anime always and manga and manga, um, and but 
all those stories always run into the one thing that I can always criticize them all about. And that is um, when they get to the message. (laughs) They punch you in the face with it so many times. They just beat you over the head. Just, they just, they just wrap that, you know, wrap a, uh, uh, you know, that message is a brick and they just wrap that thing in a sock and just wail on you with it. Yes. For like 20 Uh, pages. You're like, I got it. I got it. And so I was reading this with a little bit more of a critical eye on, on the topic, you know, stay with the theme you're talking about here. And I was always more of a manga guy than an anime guy. And I think you were the inverse. Um, and that's probably just because I didn't read a lot of manga. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I was more of a comic book guy, which led to me being more of a manga guy. And you were more of an anime person. Yeah, just it was just by introduction. I mean, I I, I just got introduced to it. Yeah, and Um, I got introduced. I mean, I saw anime from when I was real young, you know, starting with Robotech and then going through Fist of the North Star and, you know, some of that other stuff. Uh, Akira, of course. Uh, but then I really only started getting into products from Japan in the early to mid 90s when comic book stores really became a thing. And a lot of the good comic book stores had a manga rack. And I had no interest in it whatsoever until I saw some of the covers. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing called Battle Angel Alita? You know, what is this? What is that? And so the art drew me in. But going back and reading this with a more critical adult eye and me on this podcast blasting anime and manga quite a bit, there are two separate problems that I can pick out with this book. One of them is cultural differences. Yeah, Um, I I think I know where you're going with this. Every time there's a thought bubble... It should be eliminated for Western culture. I, because every time there's a thought bubble of what the character is thinking, it is showing the same thing that is either happening or that the character is obviously going to do next. It's just unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. And, and, you know, we can chalk that up to cultural differences, but for a Western culture, it's just super... <sighs> It's not compelling. I mean, it's just it bogs down the story. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a lot heavier hand, a lot heavy hand. Yeah, I mean, it's just like um, you said, it's like dropping a brick in a sock and just hitting you with it over and over and over again. Uh, the second part is that they need to hire an English writer who also speaks Japanese to do these because the writing is so clunky and I I can't review it because I I simply don't know if the Japanese version is as shitty as, and I'm speaking strictly dialogue, not, not the events pacing, anything else. The dialogue is just cringeworthy so often. And I just don't know if that's a shitty translation. Well, or if that's the thing. Yeah. The thing about, the thing about, I mean, Japanese culture is different. Um, yeah. And the and the and the and honestly, the the way that they like their stories told is different. Um, and so, but it, it, there definitely is a change. Um, the 
in the cadence of Japanese conversation is going to, is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the, because the, how, uh, inflections are usually totally in different places are, are in different places because, sure. uh, uh, Japanese, uh, usually, um, as I'm, as in, in English, we tend to put tenses in different in uh, different places of a sentence, depending on what we're trying to do. Most of the time, uh, most of the time, the uh, with Japanese, the final inflection, like the high point, is usually the end of the end of it, um, because uh, the ver- verbs are at the end of Japanese sentences. Gotcha. Okay. So it. It, it, that's why it, that, that's why if you ever watch anime the where when they're angry is always different yeah it they always, always scream like, at the end of the sentence yeah always feels off mm-hmm. um and that's because if i'm going to say i'm going to kill you um i just put the tense in i'm going to kill uh which is pretty close at the you know at the beginning whereas is the japanese it's always going to be at the end so gotcha. okay yeah so, it, it, but and you could see how that would, if you are translating it, um, it, any conversation or anything like that, it, it can be a little janky. It, and and I, and I I definitely feel for uh, you know the translators mm-hmm. uh, because it's really tough to. I mean, you can make you can write the sentences, but making the sentences match with the action, even in you know manga or anime, is is tough. Uh, I don't. I don't envy the envy people trying to get the same feeling across. No, and I, <clears throat> I suspected that was the case. And my point is more that what you should do is you should find somebody, maybe even two people, a very qualified Japanese English translator, and then an actual English specific writer, and that English specific writer can sit there and can capture the tone of what is being said but then the actual dialogue can be drastically different you know it's like a it's like a movie or it's like a comic book to movie translation civil war is a good example i didn't need the exact events of the comic book to happen i wanted to catch the tone and the characters and what is happening and i feel like manga could be so much better served for an english-speaking audience if they found somebody who could capture the tone and then rewrite the entire thing so that it works for non-Japanese audiences. Yeah, pull, pull, uh, have the have the creative license and and uh, faith to go um, for this audience. This bubble isn't necessary. Yep. Uh, the uh, in fact, you uh, this page could probably get by without any dialogue, any any monologue or anything at all, uh, and uh, the audience will completely get it and appreciate it more for not having it. Yes. And there's one scene that really uh, got me in this book. <clears throat> it's a really simple scene, and it's something you only see in manga. You don't see it in um, Western books hardly at all. And Alita is fighting the big bad at the end, and it's a ridiculous big bad, just like you would expect in a manga. And there's two or three, I think it's three pages of no dialogue, essentially. She's just running through the sewers chasing him. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's beautiful. It's it flows. There's no clunky dialogue to get in the way and it's just it lets the beautiful art shine. And I just I want to see so much more of that 
and less of the weird stilted dialogue that I so often run into in manga. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, and so I always want to say, uh, think it's, I agree. That's probably the best approach to go with it is the, uh, whoever writes the English needs to have some creative control. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's a, just for that audience. Um, if somebody, if, if somebody wants to get the, I think that if you read this in Japanese, uh, then you also would have some more introduction into what is, uh, you know, into Japanese storytelling and probably Mm -hmm. more of an appreciation for it. But when you're reading, when you're reading it in English, you're probably, you're trying to, you're only going to look at it through your filter and you're not going to, um, but even though I would say that I like the way we tell stories, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I prefer, I prefer less, less description, more, you know, uh, story through action and, uh, story through, um, you know, let the audience think about, you know, what's happening. Don't tell them about yeah, it. Yeah. Let um, the audience take from it what they will. Yeah. But, uh, either way, I think that it, it it would definitely benefit from a, a quality rewrite for English. But with us, as we so love to do here on the Kenry Culture Comic Podcast, we have gone negative. Yeah. Uh, there's a on lot that... to like about this book. It, oh, the, it, the... it starts out and it drops you into the story and it's like, hey, you're here. Keep up. Yep. And it's silly. It's light, mostly. I mean, it's gruesome in a lot of ways, but it's kind of light in a very typical Japanese manga sort of way. It's this cute little girl who's this total badass and this kind of mentor, benevolent um, father figure that, you know, is reluctant to let her go out and do what she was kind of born to do. And it's just a pretty... Fun story, and the art is beautiful, and the pacing is actually quite good. Whenever it doesn't bog itself down in stupid dialogue, <laughs> could couldn't you couldn't just couldn't let that be a clean positive? Uh, no, I because every time that like you get into the action scenes, this is really mm. where manga tends to really just mire itself in the muck. Mm-hmm. Is there's a scene that's super dynamic and especially with uh, Kishiro's art where he uses, oh my God, he uses so many speed lines. There are speed lines all over the place. This book should just be called fucking speed lines. <laughs> yeah, you, should, you need to float that over to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you um, did this a long time ago. Would you mind just changing this to fucking speed lines? Uh, but... I mean, it makes for dynamic action scenes. Like, there's just all this crazy crap happening everywhere. A lot of the times you don't understand exactly what's happening, but I'm just going to pass that off as a cultural difference. Uh, There's a few weak spots in a few of the action scenes, but mostly it's just super dynamic and super engaging, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know, but I want more. And then she'll stop and be like, this is what I'm thinking. And you're like, I know you're thinking that because that guy is standing right there. And he just <laughs> said what you're thinking. And yeah, so really when you get rolling into it and you're like, oh, this is cool. It's like that that chasing through the sewer scene. 
there was virtually no dialogue. So that's one of my favorite scenes in the book, even though nothing really happens. It's just her running. That's it. <laughs> just, yeah. So the, okay, I agree. I agree. The, uh, but it's fun. I, you know, it, it is a bit, it, it's definitely, I mean, reading those two volumes was, a, was again, that's like you, it was pure nostalgia read. Yep. And um, the second one is the one with the giant tank, or is that the third one? Uh, must be the third one. Okay. The second, the second one is all of the same one, the anime. It says her, her brief love interest. Right. Okay. So it must be the third or fourth one that has the giant that tank That I thing. have not read yet. It's Ever. basically, it's a play on the, uh, whatever that German World War II cannon was that ran on rails and fired upon Paris. Oh, I, um... What you know what the, I'm talking the about. Paris, was that the Paris gun? It might have been just called the Paris gun. Yeah. Um, it's basically a play on that, and they're going to shoot down the floating city that... I guess we should talk about, actually, what the book's about. There's this place called the Scrapyard. <laughs> we have not talked about what the fucking book's about at all. We easily a half an hour into this yes. Just talking about Battle Angel, it was like, oh... We haven't um, anything about what the books. God, we suck at this. So just, this is not good. <laughs> um, so uh, you're gonna edit. We're gonna edit this in post, right? <laughs> With the description. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's do it live. Um, so, um, Ido and Alita live in this place called the Scrapyard. It's basically this very poor industrial area that is parked below this floating city that is called oh god now i'm drawing a blank on it anyway it's this floating city where all the rich people live and none of the people from scrapyard are allowed to go up i mean you've seen this story a billion times it's it was played up in bioshock infinite um the movie elysium it's the same concept and hell i mean atlas shrugged is actually kind of the same story too that piece of shit but anyway to part Tapares. Tapares. What Nick said. All of them. Yeah. It's Salem in the anime. <laughs> oh. oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So anyway, this Paris gun comes to shoot, shoot it down, essentially, is its goal. And so there's this great wealth inequality, uh, which... You know, it's a pretty common story trope now, but, you know, this book's almost 30 years old. And so it creates a very classic, but still one of those compelling story tropes that sucks you in no matter how many times you've seen it. If it, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that it, we keep seeing it because it works. And so there's no police force in the scrapyard because it's just kind of rough and tumble, do what you will. By, by the way, this is a wonderfully clinical way of describing this world. The, uh, you know, if, if you were describing this world as a government official, you would be spot on. <laughs> cool. Maybe, there, maybe, maybe bureaucracy is still there, in my future no, somewhere. There is, there is no police force. This is a, industrial yeah. <laughs> industrial area it's like what the is this supposed to is this it's a wikipedia entry as written by a um 30 year old 30 year old veteran of, well, I, uh, of a city bureaucracy i could i could republican dog whistle it for you 
So this is an inner city <laughs> where thugs run rampant. And I'm not supposed to decode this in another way, am I? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not dog whistling this at all. But <laughs> um, that is one of those terms I've heard recently used for uh, for that for that group. And then once I heard it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense for that term. Yes. Uh, so anyway, there's no police force, so. Basically, I guess it's it's not super clear on this, but the people kind of get together and hire and offer bounties for criminals who are causing mayhem in the scrapyard. And that's what Doc Ito does. And he wants to keep Alita out of that world. But she's I think, it, I think it's just angel. I think it's just I think it's just some I think it's just some um, small bureaucracy that basically to keep some form of uh, contr- control they just instead of having any police they just say oh put a bounty on them and just bring back her head and that's good enough sure. I think it's still run by the same people who make sure that the food gets delivered upstairs oh yeah that makes sense okay so anyway that's kind of the world it's just a quasi post apocalyptic world where. Lots of crazy shit is allowed to happen, and therefore it creates a vehicle for, you know, Ito and Alita to go be badasses. It's also great, uh, worth mentioning, and a, and a great element, at least in, for the first two, uh, for the first two volumes. And I don't know how for how much uh, after that. For the first two volumes, the floating city is just there. It's like a, it's the, uh, you, you know. It is responsible for the way things are below, are down below, but absolutely otherwise plays no real. Like you never go there. No, no. Uh, only later does it actually play more of a role, and it might not even be the first three volumes. Uh, I, I just don't remember which one is the tank one, but yeah, it's very much about the scrapyard. Yeah, and which is smart. Oh, uh, absolutely. It, Keep, it keeps the story much smaller. It allows you to focus on uh, Ido and Alita. And but, follow them, and it also makes that that for you know for several volumes keeps that element up there a mystery, like this just kind of interesting thing that's there that's kind of more interesting because you don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. you know very little about it. Yep. So yeah, uh, there are nine volumes of this in total. I've read somewhere around five. Uh, I definitely recommend it. I'm going to go read, finally finish the story after all these years. And it kind of sounds like Nick is going to as well. Yeah, I'm going to. I actually, uh, I'm going back through, I'm like, ah, you know, I remember I liked this. And, and, I, and I, I, I can, I'm well trained to get past the part of manga that is uh, a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Well, there's so much good stuff happening that it's kind of cultural or manga, whatever flaws you want to categorize them as it allows you to get past them and you just go oh well that's just one of those quirky things i don't care about but there's so much cool crap happening that i'm good with it yeah so uh, i mean i think it's worth it if you haven't read it um in fact if you you haven't read it and you haven't seen the anime it's a good time to uh go do so Mm -hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen it for a long time it's still a good read 
It it's is. still a fun read. Um, the uh, And the anime is solid. I mean, if you read the first two volumes of this and then watch the anime, you will you will see an adaptation done extremely faithfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, There's very little... There, there's only a few editions of the anime that I could remember, but not much. Uh, they try to keep pretty close to the story. The first, uh, the first volume mirrors the first volume, the uh, first episode of that, and the second, the second volume, the second episode. Mm-hmm. It was a two-episode uh, OVA, they call it. Yeah, original video animation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I go check it out. I mean, it's it's kind of it's a classic, but it's a good classic. It is. I mean, it, the uh, everything everything that we we kind of knock it for has really nothing to do with uh, with it being old. Um, more, we just have there's some genre things that and in manga in general we kind of run into, and we find the same here. So that's not really all that surprising, though. No, uh, but it it doesn't keep it from being fun. No, it sure doesn't, and it's very it's very fast and actiony, and it's the type of story that's allows us to get over some of those issues we have with manga. Yeah, even I can even get past them constantly mentioning that the that stupid move, you know, oh my her, God, yeah, her style. Like, I know it's like don't don't don't. Just don't say it. Just don't say it. Oh, Panzer Kunst, you it, did it. You it said hurts, it again. It, hurt, it, it hurts every time. And it's like I cringe. It's like my my I I just start programming my eyes to like to see that the first few letters of that appear and then immediately skip X number of letters past. She's so I belt in Panzer Kunst. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and scene. Yeah. And um, scene. yeah. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Well, we know what the bumper music for this is going to be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, uh, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I'm going to go read it. I, yeah. I hope that, I hope that if they, enjoy, uh, they actually get the, uh, movie going that it doesn't become, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so, I mean, ultimately, it, it should be easier for them too because Ghost in the Shell had a message, and this one really doesn't have much of a has a much of a message. No, uh, I mean, the, it kind of dances around with kind of clumsy has, messages. Yeah, about, you know, what does it mean to create a life, and you're just allowed to gloss over it because it's like just a page of utter tripe, but um. But Ghost in the Shell was around a message. I no, mean, there it, was. It is a message if from front to back. It's about one. Yeah. So it's, and, and 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 the uh, and the genuine mistake of taking anything that has a message is trying to tell a slightly different message with the story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't work as well. No. Uh, even if you think you're at, you're in the orbit of the original message, you you kind of need to stick to the original message because yeah, stories are stories tend to be if a story is built for a message, chances are the elements of that story are pieces are pieces of that that yep. uh, don't that uh when reassembled do not uh, they don't make a that they're, they're puzzle pieces that go together for that story. You can't recompile them into a different message. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, see the day the earth stood still. Um, if you want another. I am uh, legend. It, oh, yeah. I am legend, too. Uh, it hurts. It, it burns hurts. us. It burns us. Mm-hmm. Um, it burns us. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it just 
the with this one it should be easier because it just needs to be there's so many elements of there that are pretty easily translatable and without the burden of of really trying to tell them like a real message story uh, you should be able to have fun with it and tell uh, an adaptable an adapted story for an American audience mm-hmm. uh, pretty easily I think you could do it um, the uh, so we'll see I I you know I honestly would want to I, I, something in me wants to would want to live in this world a little bit longer than just uh, a two uh, hour and a half movie. Um, the uh, it almost would be more fun to have seen you know see this as a series, but it's too special effects laden to. Yeah, to, it, it to, would just be yeah. so insanely expensive to produce as a mini series. Yeah. 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 But that's it. Oh, hope they don't screw it up. <laughs> yep. So okay, um, that's all I have to say about this. You have anything uh, left? No, nope, that's all I've okay. got. Well, the baby in the background is starting to howl, so let's get the hell out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view our podcast archives or check in on some of our other projects. Or swing by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all I have for today. I'm Brock Beauchamp. I'm Nick Hemsing and my dog. <laughs> okay, thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks.